Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, welcome to a bonus episode of the No Look Pass Podcast, episode 36, our NBA draft, NBA draft edition presented to you by WRSBN.com. We want to thank you for tuning in. You could be listening to anything in the world, but you're here with us, and we appreciate that. I'm your host, Frank Santos, who would bet J.R. Smith has not slept since Game 7, and I usually have my co-host with me, Andy Flint, who is uh, having a little bit of cell phone trouble, so... We're going to see if we can get him on the line. If not, I might just rock this by myself. I might do a little half hour on the NBA draft by myself. That's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to get into the NBA draft. Obviously, the NBA season is behind us, and we are moving right on, even though we're in denial that there is no more basketball. We are moving right on to the NBA draft. We do want to touch on Game 7 just a little bit, just get some quick thoughts. Um, so that will be the outlet pass in our show. It's the first pass in any fast break. Thus, it's the first pass in our show. And... So, Cleveland Cavaliers are the NBA champions. LeBron haters are currently regrouping and finding a way to give Kyrie Irving all the credit for somehow. It's rare that a game so anticipated lives up to the hype, but I would say this one certainly did. So, where does Game 7 rank on the all-time games that we've seen? Uh, I would say, for me, it's probably number two, to be honest. I think... Game seven, it was back and forth. It was everything Andy said last week. It was everything that we were wishing it would. Game seven was everything we wished this series was going to be because Andy said last week that this was like the worst, best finals that he's ever seen. You kind of agree. You know, every game was really a double-digit game. We hadn't had one close game yet, and I think game seven sort of was everything that the whole series should have been. But for me, the best game I've ever seen was the the NBA Finals between the Heat and the Spurs when Ray Allen hit that shot to send it into overtime, that was the most dramatic game that I have ever actually seen. And I know it wasn't a Game 7, that was Game 6, but it sort of had the same kind of feel to it in that Game 6. It almost felt like the series was over after Miami came back, you know what I mean? So Ray Allen hitting that shot and just completely saving the Miami Heat. I wanted to say Cleveland Cavaliers, but completely saving the Miami Heat, I think was the best NBA game that I've ever seen. It also had the finals aspect to it, just like this game. So it, it really had those stakes. And it was probably the most drama I've ever seen in an NBA game. So that's going to be my answer, um, I think, for the most dramatic NBA game. We're still trying to get Andy on the line, but we are going to move on. Um, before we get started with our draft predictions, I just want to say that when it comes to the draft, if you're not frequenting Draft Express, you must snort elephant mucus to a straw for breakfast because that place is everything that you need. Thorough recaps of, of each player. You got draft comparisons. You got mocks regularly updated. So I just wanted to tell you that Draft Express is really where it's at when it comes to NBA content. And, you know, if, if, you, if you're not going there, then I don't really know what you're doing. So we're going to move on to the, the first pick is really where we want to start, obviously, but we're not going to spend too much time on it because, let's be honest, all the news is broke. Ben Simmons is the number one pick. So, I mean, we don't really see that there's much point to, to really going through it. I, I do want to say, the question I do want to ask, not whether Ben Simmons is going to be the number one pick because I think we all can say that he is, but I want to really touch about where his NBA potential compares to in terms of him versus the past three first-round picks. Because in the past three years, I think we have a really good parameters for three kind of different segments of where a first-round pick could go. So we had Carl Anthony Towns last year. Obviously, I think everybody 
thinks he's going to be a superstar. So that's that's one aspect. And then we have the year before we have Andrew Wiggins, and I think Andrew Wiggins is sort of the jury's still out on him. We we don't really know. He could be a superstar, but he could be kind of a second tier player, not really worth a a first round pick per se. And then the year before we have Anthony Bennett, who is just a complete and utter bust. You know what I mean? So. I think we really have a good aspect of three different types of first-round picks. And to me, I feel like Ben Simmons, he's somewhere between, I don't want to call him Anthony Bennett because he's not, but he's he's somewhere between Anthony Bennett and, and Wiggins to me because, and I think actually Andrew Wiggins is a good kind of comparison as far as their college careers. You know, you had a, a guy in college that probably wasn't used properly by their coach and it's kind of somebody's game who really wasn't wasn't for college. He was, you know, Ben Simmons, just like Andrew Wiggins, sort of has more of an NBA game, if, if, if that makes sense. So that Andrew Wiggins is a good comparison for him. I just don't know how Ben Simmons – I mean, the point forward thing is, is really he has a lot going for him, and um, – I, I do think Ben Simmons will be good. I just don't know if he will be great. And I think that's the same thing that we can say about Andrew Wiggins. It, it, it's sort of the, the same concept. I, I definitely don't think he's going to be a Carl Anthony Towns. That, that's what I'll say. Um, so let's move on from, from the first pick. Uh, Ingram is sort of, I don't know if he should be the first pick. I think I would take Simmons, you know, over, over him. So I, I think that the Philadelphia is making the right decision. But, you know, it, it's hard. You know, I also thought that MKG was going to be better than Anthony Davis. So, that, you know, that's a thing. We'll get that get to that in a little bit. Uh, but we sort of wanted to go through different in, in different sides of the, of the draft. You know, we want, a steal, we want a few categories. We're going to have a steal in the lottery, a steal outside of the lottery, and then a potential trade that could be made. And, you know, we want to uh, sort of just go, go through all of that and then – we sort of have some stories of maybe guys that we believed in back in the day that didn't pan out and maybe guys in the back in the day that we believed in that we sort of nailed. So as far as a, a steal in the lottery, I am going with Jalen Brown out of California. Uh, definitely a disappointing freshman season, no question, but, and this is, you know, the other thing we want to say is that when it comes to the draft, it really is more, of a personal thing, like what kind of players that you like. And that's why every single person has like a different prediction because everybody kind of prefers a different type of player. Jalen Brown's my kind of player. So he's, he's the kind of guy that I like, you know, just a guy that athletic really has potential to be good defensively and also a, a very good wing guy, you know, flasher and, the one thing that we always say, Andy and I always talk about this, and it's true, and I definitely find it even more true for – I'm not so scared of guys that don't have a jump shot. You know, It's the same way with Ben Simmons. Like, Ben Simmons is one thing is like, oh, he can't score because he doesn't have a jumper. And that's the same problem with Jalen Brown. I, I think people are finding is they're saying, oh, well, he, he doesn't have the range, so he's not going to be the last in, in the league. There are so many things that you need to – to succeed in the league. And I think a jump shot is the easiest one to learn. Like you can't teach the instincts that this guy has defensively. You know, you can't teach the instincts he has athletically, but you can teach him how to shoot a jump shot. So in saying that, 
I really think that he's a guy that's worth taking a flyer on. Obviously, he's going to be picked somewhere in the lottery. Unfortunately for him, the Draft Express mock draft has him going to the Sacramento Kings, and that would just be a complete disaster because nothing really good happens when you get drafted by the Sacramento Kings. Shout out to McLemore. Shout out to Nick Stauskas. Shout out to DeMarcus Cousins. Shout out to, uh, I think, Derek Williams was, was selected by the Sacramento Kings. So, a, a good a good track record here of Sacramento Kings failures as far as the draft goes. So hopefully he'll get he'll get going somewhere else. But I really think he is going to to pan out. And as terms of outside of the lottery, a guy that I really like, and this is definitely like the outside of the lottery kind of pick for me, is a senior, somebody that you you kind of know what you're going to get because when you when you get outside the lottery, I understand inside the lottery trying to take potential. You know, guys that can really boom because if they boom they're going to be great. You know what I mean? If you get a freshman that has lottery talent, he's going to be a great player if he pans out. Like sometimes when you're, when you're later in the draft and you're taking a, you know, a guy like Thon Maker in, in the draft, who is the ultimate wild card really in this draft, you know, we don't really know much about him. He could pan out. He might just be a complete bust. So it, I really don't like taking those guys later in the, in the first round. I'd rather, you know, if he's still there, I'd rather take a guy like that in the second round. In saying that, the steal outside the lottery for me is a guy like Denzel Valentine. I don't really want to call him Draymond Green just because I think that's a cheap comparison, especially considering they go to Michigan State. But in saying that, you know, college coaches have a tendency to recruit the same type of player. And I think I don't think Denzel Valentine is Draymond Green because I don't think he's as good defensively. Obviously, he's smaller in size, but he sort of has that jack-of-all-trades, good instincts, you know, he played four years for Tom Izzo, and I think he can really help a team later in the first round sort of, you know, really solidify a team that's, that's already good. I'm trying to see where the, the mock draft, the draft express mock draft has them going. They have them going 22 to Charlotte. I think that'd be a good fit. You know, Charlotte is a borderline contender in the East, I guess you could say. I mean, obviously the Cavs are, are the juggernaut and as Andy and I talked all season, you know, that that really second team in the Eastern Conference is up for grabs. And I think, you know, a, a solidified spot for a guy like Valentine in that lineup, you know, could be good. You know, but you think of other teams in, in that area, you know, a team like the Atlanta Hawks, I think, could benefit from a guy like Valentine. You know, a team like the Boston Celtics, who are right in that range. Even further down, if you're looking at the, you know, the L.A. Clippers, a team that's really desperate for, I mean, this is a team that's playing Austin Rivers minutes at the guard position, that's playing Pablo Prigioni, you know, minutes at the guard position. So I really think this is a team that would benefit from a guy like Denzel Valentine. So, you know, that's my pick. I would would definitely go with Denzel Valentine. So... We're going to move on. We still have Andy on the line. He, he's uh, having some service trouble with his cell phone, so I think I might just be rocking this for the rest of the show alone. No problem. I, I enjoy uh, enjoy listening to myself talking. Uh, maybe you do too. So we're going to move on. The next category we wanted to get to is a trade because I think there has been a lot of names buzzing in this in in the cycle. So. You know, we've had some big names. Obviously, before the Cavaliers won, we had the uh, the Kevin Love sort of dangling around. I don't know if that would work now that he's an NBA champion. Um, but then we have another guy 
And sorry, Chicago, I know you're going to be looking at me with the Russell Westbrook and just being like, what? Bro, what are you talking about, man? But I think Jimmy Butler is gone. I think that trade is going to end up happening. Jimmy Butler, I think, to the Timberwolves. But I don't think it's such a bad deal for Chicago. I mean, even if you don't – I know the the news story says that, oh, Andrew Wiggins has to be in the trade in order for it to happen. But Minnesota has so many assets. And if you could get, you know, three of those guys, you know, two of those guys in a pick, I think that would be, you know, worth your time. And I don't think you need Andrew Wiggins to to make this a good trade for you. I mean, if, if it's centered around a guy like Zach Levine, who I think is going to be a very good player. You know, even a guy like um, Bijinsa, I, I like um, Gorgie Jang, another guy that that's young, that can give you minutes, is a, is a guy that's, that's worth, you know, if you combine him with two or three other pieces, I think you're really building something. And I was watching the, uh, the ESPN mock draft this, af- you know, this afternoon, this evening, and Tom Penn sort of had a very similar deal you know, and but in doing so, he was really looking at earlier. He had been looking at the Chicago Bulls, and I didn't realize how fragile sort of the Chicago Bulls team is. You know, with Noah as a free agent and Gasol as a free agent, and really, they're they're at a, a fork in the road here because it seems like the teams that they've been throwing out, especially you know with Derrick Rose, the constant question mark, and there was even talk there maybe talking about trading him to the Knicks. Who knows about that? But the the teams that they've been throwing out clearly are not cutting it. So at at some point, especially because they're getting older, you know, a guy like Noah is older. Obviously, a guy like Gasol, and both of those guys are probably gone. So at some point, you just got to get younger. And sometimes when you get younger, you have to rebuild, and that's just the way it is. Now, you can rebuild around Jimmy Butler, which I don't think is a terrible move. I think that would be perfectly fine. And I just don't know how much value a guy like Derrick Rose really has in 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 the league right now because of his injury concerns and because I kind of think the league has passed him by in terms of his game. You know, he doesn't really have, I mean, he's still athletic when he wants to be, but he doesn't have the elite athleticism like he did, like, let's say, like a Russell Westbrook now has. You know, Rose used to be Westbrook, and now he's not. So, I, you know, I don't, I don't really know if you can really – go further with Derrick Rose or it's, if it's time to let him go. And But, again, I don't know what his value is, and that's a problem. If you can get a lot more for Jimmy Butler to start your rebuilding process, then that's just something that you're going to have to do. And I think the Timberwolves can make you a very nice offer. I would think the Boston Celtics can make you a very nice offer. I don't know if they're really targeting Jimmy Butler. But that's the – that's really the the deal that I think gets done is Jimmy Butler to the T-Wolves at number five. And I don't know who I think the Bulls would take. See some of the names that might be, you know, still on the table. I mean, a guy like uh, Buddy Heald, that that would be sort of a good, obviously you would have a hole at that position if if you traded Jimmy Butler. I think that would be a, a good fit. A guy like Jamal Murray, freshman out of Kentucky, you know, that's more of a, that would be more of a, rebuilding pick, you know, obviously a younger guy, a guy that's going to take maybe more time to develop than a guy like Buddy Heald. But, you know, that's these are the directions that you can go, that you can decide what you want to do. So that, that is really the, the trade I think it's done. I think Jimmy Jimmy Butler goes to the T-Wolves for 
reunites with Coach Thibodeau, I think the T-Wolves are a playoff team next year with Jimmy Butler, no question. I think you get another year of Carl of Anthony Towns, another year of Andrew Wiggins maturing, and you get the leadership of a Jimmy Butler who can teach you sort of that gritty defense, who can sort of be the Kevin Garnett, but get the respect because he can actually still play. So I think with that mentality, a new coach that's defensive-minded and a guy that knows the system in Jimmy Butler, I think it makes a lot of sense for the T-Wolves to make the trade. I think it makes a lot of sense for the Bulls to make the trade considering sort of the point that they're at in their development, and it might be time to rebuild. So we're going to – I want to move on to another category, which is sort of a little off off the trail. We're, we're kind of going to go back in the past and then wrap it back up with – sort of a, a back in the future, you know, go back to, to the current time. So we think we've all had the guy that we fall in love with during the draft. You know, you, you watch the YouTube videos or you see him in college and you just think, like, this guy, I think this guy's the one. I think he's going to pan out. He's going to be legit. And sometimes, sometimes that just isn't the case. Let's let's just be honest. The, the draft, for all, for all due respect, and I know many people have jobs, because there is an NBA draft every year, but it's really a crapshoot. It's it's kind of like me, like a meteorologist. You know, if it doesn't pan out, you just say, hey, you know, draft. It's unpredictable, just like just like the weather. So the one guy that I thought, and this is funny because he was a second round pick, and when he was when he got picked in the second round, I really had a Draymond Green like reaction to it. Like this is absurd. This guy is a steal. And that guy is Tyler Honeycutt. I don't know if you guys remember Tyler Honeycutt out of UCLA, like a six seven six eight small forward, power forward, and let me tell you, Tyler Honeycutt was just, he was in the wrong time. Granted, that time was 2011, but it was before we went small ball, and, and it was just it was just the wrong era for him. He, he could have panned out. He could have been the one. And in my mind, Tyler Honeycutt, I still believe, he's just on his Danny Green Euro tour before becoming a Peacock for a champion. And let me, let me tell you a little bit about Tyler Honeycutt right now. Playing in Russia... And I think Andy would would have appreciated this, but this, this is the lineup that Tyler Honeycutt has on his squad. We got Alexi Shved, shout out for that guy. Zoran Dragic, might know him as Zoran Dragic's brother. James Augustine, who is like a oh man, what's that other guy's name? Uh, it's it, it's not coming to me right now, but like a tractor trailer sort of build as a as a power forward. Um, and he had a cup of tea with, with, with the Orlando Magic. That's why I put him in here, because I thought Andy would appreciate that. And then we had a guy that had a cup of tea with my Brooklyn Nets, Josh Boone, at a UConn, national champion. Josh Boone to you. And then Tyler Honeycutt. So that is the Russian team. I believe it's called Kakali. I could be mispronouncing that. Or Kaliki. And so that's where Tyler, Tyler Honeycutt is right now. He's just on his Russian tour in the Euro tour before he's just sort of become a shooting guard or a small forward. He can play probably the small ball forward now. That's why I said he was wrong. He was born in the wrong era. So he's going to come back. He's going to be making threes like Dirk Nowitzki for a championship team. And when he does that, just know that you heard it here first. Okay, so let's move on to a more positive note. A pick in the past, I think, you know, we have had these guys that haven't panned out like a Tyler Honeycutt, and then we have these guys that we believed in, and now we get to just tell people, I told you so, for the rest of eternity. So a pick in the past that I nailed was the Greek freak, Giannis Atetokounmpo. I fell in complete YouTube love with him. I just, I watched videos and I was like, this guy's 18, he's from Greece. 
he's got the the, the seven two wingspan, and I thought he was just going to be an athletic freak. And what do you know? There he is on the Milwaukee Bucks doing big things. Probably, I would call the Greek freak the best player on on the Milwaukee Bucks right now. So, I mean, I, I'm pretty proud that I that I nailed that pick, mostly because I don't have too many that, that I've really nailed, and I thought that. When they picked Giannis, I really thought, and granted, I thought that he was going to need time to develop. I didn't think he'd be who he is at this point in his career, but I really thought that the Bucks got a, got a steal at the Greek Freak. I believe they picked him right outside of the lottery at 15. And, I mean, this guy, for, for all of his talent, I think had lottery. You know, he should have been picked in the lottery because, you, you like I said earlier, when, you, when you're trying to take a chance on a guy, I don't mind taking a chance on a guy like Giannis because if he pans out, again, he's going to be magnificent like he is. And if he doesn't, you know, you had a late lottery pick, you took a shot on an 18-year-old freak phenom athlete, and it didn't pan out. And then, you know, obviously a late lottery team is sort of a fringe playoff team, so you still have talent on your team to, to kind of go beyond that. Now, the other side of it, obviously, is a pick that, Maybe we failed. You know, we we really thought that we're talking not like a guy like Tyler Honeycutt, who's a second-round pick, a guy you thought was going to be great. We're talking about the opposite, maybe a, a top pick that you were really, really passionate about that you thought was just either really stupid at the time or, you know, the guy got picked too low. So I actually have two because I get things wrong a lot. So the two picks I have, I thought Kyrie Irving was going to be a complete bust I mean, he was picked with the first pick, so I, I didn't think he'd be Anthony Bennett bust, but I thought he would be like, oh, my God, how did you pick this guy with the first pick when there's these five other guys that are clearly better than him in the draft that, that he got taken in, and you can never justify. Kind of like a Darko Milicic, if, if, if we could. You know, you have, like, Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, all these guys getting taken below him, and he's just, oh, Carmelo Anthony is the other guy I couldn't think of for a second. You have all these guys taken be low Darko and all of a sudden Darko's just there like, oh, I, I guess I'm I guess I'm just here behind a bunch of Hall of Famers. So um but I thought that was gonna be Kyrie. I thought Kyrie was just gonna be this guy that didn't really pan out because of health issues and I think I mean honestly that sort of hadn't gone away until maybe the fact that he's an NBA champion now it it went away a little bit. But aside from that, I mean I think Kyrie's injury concerns have have sort of been an issue throughout his career. And, you know, I'm just skeptical of a guy, what did he play, 10 games at Duke? I sort of have, I don't want to say because I don't really follow college, like, passionately. I mean, I follow it because I follow the NBA and I like to look at the draft prospects and things like that. But in saying that, like, I don't have the Duke hatred. But I do also know that, you know, a lot of not a lot of Duke guys really panned out in the NBA before Kyrie. I mean, we have other guys now, like, Jabari Parker, that, that sort of seems like he might pan out like the Kyrie, obviously. But before that, we had, like, what, Carlos Boozer was, was maybe the best kind of NBA prospect from Duke. So I was a little skeptical of a guy from Duke with injury concerns, and I didn't know if he would really make it. And the other guy that I had sort of the opposite effect on was Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. I still, to this day, but the day of the draft, I loved Michael Kidd Gilchrist. I don't know if I went back in the day, if I went as far as saying I would take him before Anthony Davis, 
but it was close. I mean, I didn't think Anthony Davis would be as good as he was, and I also didn't think Michael Kidd-Gilchrist would struggle as much as he has. Obviously, again, there's injury concerns. But, again, it was a guy sort of like Jalen Brown earlier, you know, out of the world athleticism, out of the world work ethic, uh, you know, made to be a defensive stopper. He just didn't have a jump shot, and you can see the jump shot. So it's, it's sort of the same philosophy, if you, if you get what I'm saying. But in the end, I got the Willy Wonka treatment because MKG did not pan out, and Anthony Davis is probably going to the Hall of Fame one day, and I would have been sitting in the GM's office. This is why I'm not a general manager, because they would have just given me the Willy Wonka treatment. It's all there, black and white, clear as crystal. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. So that, that would have been me. I would have lost, would have been fired, because I would have been the guy petitioning in the draft room to maybe take MKG over Anthony Davis, and it not would have not been a good thing for me. So we're going to move on back back to the current draft because obviously I think one – well, maybe not obviously. I think one thing that gets lost in the NBA draft is how much of your potential depends on the team that you go to. Like just because – I mean, just because Anthony Bennett was a bust, I think part of that, maybe not most of it, maybe he's a bad example of it, but part of it maybe was the Cavs were not a particularly good fit for, for his style of play. Like, the guy has to be in a system that matches what he can do because, you know, these guys, I don't want to say they can't learn, but, you know, they're sort of more susceptible because of, especially when you're picked at the top of those expectations that you need to be a star player, you know, if you're the number one pick and it's hard to kind of learn to be a role player when you're the number one pick, you know, if, if, if that makes sense to you. So I think a lot of it depends on where you go and which team you go with. And you have to be on the right team that matches your style of play in order to maximize your potential. And in saying that, I think one, one player that would benefit from going to one team for me would be Demetrius Jackson point guard out of Notre Dame, and I think it'd be a great fit for both sides if he went to the Detroit Pistons. I am like a Detroit Pistons uh, honorary fan. I believe in them all season. They made the eighth seed. I bragged about it, and I really like this team. I really like the outlook of their team. And one thing I didn't understand is when they traded for Tobias Harris that they didn't find a way to get Reggie Jackson a backup point guard. And I think Demetrius Jackson would be great. And even though he kind of duplicates a lot of a few of the things that Reggie Jackson does, I don't think that's such a bad thing in a point guard. I think when you have point guards on your team, you sort of need similar skill sets because that is the, the identity of your team, in, in a sense, is the point guard position or whoever's handling the ball the most. And I think when you have guys that are similar at that position as far as ball handling goes, I actually think it helps the team sort of give them more um, continuity in, in, in their aspects. And I think Demetrius Jackson does that because I think, like Reggie Jackson, he's a guy that's really a pit bull. You know, he kind of really attacks the rim, maybe doesn't have the best jump shot, but he does sort of do a lot of things well for his size. You know, and I think that he would be a good fit on the Detroit Pistons. I, I guess that, that's what I'm getting at. So, we are going to move on to the end of our show, but before we do, we have our co-signs. These Facebook groups have co-signed the podcast, so we co-sign them. We rock with us. We rock with you. That's how we move. 
So the three groups that we have is Sports Overtime, S-P-O-R-T-Z, Overtime, Real NBA Talk, and NBA News. Go like them on Facebook. You know, they have great discussions in the groups, and, we, you know, we chop it up in those groups as well. And we are now going to move on to the end of our show. Like Jay-Z once said, Well, we don't believe you. You need more people. And every, every week in the NBA, somebody really matches that mold. This week, I am going with Gennaro Pargo. I was going to go with him last week, but I ended up, ended up going with Andy and I for counting the Cleveland Cavaliers out. How is your wife more famous than you and still getting half of your income? Shout out to you, though, for being a 12th man and still investing in a 401k. You know, it's not every it's not every day that, that ballers in the NBA just sort of invest their money only to have it taken away from a housewife on a VHO, VH1 show. So I guess that up to you. So that is the end of our show. Join us next week as we continue our journey around the NBA. Make sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at NLP Podcast and like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash NLP Pod. That's N like Norris Cole, L like Lenny Wilkins, P like Terry Jones. We will close, as we always do, with the great basketball philosopher, Jason Wachalka Williams, who once probably thought, basketball is a lot like last call at the bar, sometimes better than pass without looking. And with that, we bid you good night.